Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Hey, folks, it's Greg Allman with the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. Checking in for episode 39 of the Locked on Bucks podcast. You're probably listening to this on Thursday morning. Uh, getting ready for the Bucks' first home game of the season. Uh, Sunday afternoon with the Los Angeles Rams coming to town. Uh, lots to get to today in the podcast. Uh, busy Wednesday for us. Uh, and it starts with bad news about Doug Martin. Uh, fairly early Wednesday morning, uh, Ian Rappaport with NFL Network put out uh, news that this should be a three-week injury for Doug Martin. Uh, we had kind of thought hamstrings, we think of sometimes being a four-week injury. Uh, with Doug, uh, they're saying it's a three-week injury, at least NFL Network is saying it's a three-week injury. Uh, that works out kind of well for Doug because he would miss weeks three, four, and five. Bucks have week six as their bye week, uh, so he kind of gets an extra week to, uh, to rehab and, and kind of lay off that hamstring. Uh, and come back healthy, ideally for uh, week seven. That, that's kind of just the guideline, this three-week thing. Uh, Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, talked uh, today. Uh, he said they're hoping to get him back before that. I don't know if that just means uh, missing two games and coming back in week five on Monday night against Carolina. Uh, but for now, and especially on Sunday, we do know that the uh, the Bucks will be going without Doug Martin, which means Charles Sims and Jacquez Rogers. Uh, we kind of wondered yesterday, what that split might be like, how they might split things up. Uh, Dirk Cutter was kind of careful not to say very much. Uh, he's kind of keeping it close to the vest. Uh, but again, the offensive coordinator and receivers coach Todd Munkin uh, made a comment that Charles Sims has certainly uh, shown enough to earn the right to be the lead back in his offense when Doug, Doug Martin is out. Uh, so that let us know that if there were a, a lean or a shift one way or the other, it's going to be towards Charles Sims. Uh, when we talked to Jacquez Rogers, we didn't actually get to talk to Charles Sims today. Um, but we talked to Jacquez Rogers, who, again, is, has only been on the team about a week, uh, came in uh, the Tuesday after the uh, season opener uh, and, you know, has picked things up fairly quickly, all things considered. But uh, in talking to Jacquez today, uh, he made the comment that his job this week is whenever Charles gets tired to go in. So it certainly sounds like... Uh, this won't even be necessarily a job share, if you will. This is something that Charles Sims is going to have the job. Uh, and when he's tired, when he needs a spell, uh, they'll go to Jacquez Rogers. We don't know how often that's going to be. Uh, Charles Sims has had as many as 18 carries in an NFL game. Uh, but has you know both these guys have fairly limited histories in terms of when they've been uh, a primary back in an NFL offense. We were looking. Uh, obviously, Doug Martin was healthy all of last year. So even when... Charles Sims had big games. It was still just as a supplemental guy, as a uh, a change of pace guy, a give Doug Martin series off type guy. We, we had talked yesterday about this. Charles, Charles Sims had a great year last year, had like 1,090 yards from scrimmage, had over 500 rushing, over 500 receiving, had 50 catches, uh, very productive back. And, and all he has to do here is kind of be uh, the same back in a bigger dose, if you will. And, and you're always going to get some level of diminishing returns when you give somebody a bigger role that they haven't really had before. Uh, the only times that Charles Sims has been a uh, 
kind of a lead back, a primary back. Our, we go back to 14, his rookie year. Obviously, he missed the first half of his rookie year uh, with injury, but then uh, had two games where Doug Martin was still out and they weren't going to Bobby Rainey anymore. Um, and again, modest results here, folks. Uh, played the Falcons, lost to the Falcons. Sims had eight carries for 23 yards. The next week, uh, actually a win against the Redskins. Sims had 13 carries for 36 yards. So uh, still not even three yards a carry in either of those games. Bucks basically beat the Redskins two years ago because Mike Evans went off. Uh, had seven catches for 209 yards and two touchdowns. It's kind of one of the, the games that really put him on the map nationally. Uh, so Charles Sims, um, you know, ha- has done well when playing with Doug Martin. Uh, you know, went over 100 yards from scrimmage twice last year, 100, 136 against the Jags, had 117 against the Bears. Um, you know, at the end of last season, it was kind of interesting because they they very much got away from Charles Sims being another Doug Martin and, and kind of cultivated him being this pass-catching running back. So if you look at uh, the last six games last year, had almost as many catches as carries. Last six games of 2015 had 31 carries and 26 catches. Um, so literally was as likely, almost as likely, to, to catch a pass out of the backfield as he was to actually carry the ball. They're, they're going to need him to be a ball carrier on Sunday. Um, maybe it's only 10, 12, 15 carries. Um, and especially that can help if that's in addition to uh, five catches, eight catches, something like that. But they need a conventional running game. They need a move the chains, uh, make the defense come up to the line of the scrimmage and, and honor the run so they can get better chances of getting guys open downfield. Uh, somebody had an interesting point on Twitter in that over the last eight games for each of them, uh, Charles Sims is within like three yards a game of Todd Gurley. I think Todd Gurley was at 72 yards per game, total offense over the last eight games, and Charles Sims was like 69. Um so to that extent, as much as we've made out Todd Gurley to be this all-world running back, uh, Charles Sims has nearly matched him in production over the last eight games. Um, so curious to see what happens there. The one interesting stat I found in looking at who the Bucks are with Doug Martin and who they've been when they haven't had Doug Martin, because again, a decent chunk of 13 and 14, they didn't have him. Um, what's curious is that their winning percentage with Doug isn't as good as their win percentage without him. They are 8-27 and 27 since the start of the 2013 season, which is kind of after his rookie year when his injuries started, if you will. 8-27 and 27 with Doug, 5-10 and 10 without Doug. So uh, it's nearly a 50% increase in their win percentage uh, when they don't have Doug Martin. So as much as this is a big loss, and this is a Pro Bowl running back, second in the NFL in rushing, who won't be there Sunday, running back seems to be a position where you can – lose someone, even a good player, and still replace them and have a decent chance to win. So that'll be a big part of things on Sunday is seeing how well Charles Sims can hold up. Um, had that great touchdown, as you remember, in the Falcons game in week one where he made about four guys miss. Uh, really gave the Bucks some momentum there before the half. But then had a relatively quiet game against Arizona. Um, it's like the drive that he took over after Doug Martin got, got hurt. I think he had five touches for seven yards. I mean, the, probably the biggest thing he did in the game was was bump into Jameis Winston uh, when they were in field goal range and, and caused that fumble that Arizona recovered. Um, so, again, big opportunity for Charles Sims here. Uh, we'll be curious to see how they use Jacquez Rogers in conjunction with him. The other guy 
we don't want to leave out, but who's definitely the third running back in this, is, is Peyton Barber, this rookie from Auburn who we talked about a lot in the preseason, uh, was active in week one and only played on special teams. He will again be dressing as the third running back. I would not expect him to have uh, a major role on offense, but you could see them bring him in for a series, bring him in as part of the package they have. He's still probably going to be more involved on special teams than he is on the offense, but he's one more person. And in talking to Peyton Barber today, uh, I think he feels like he's made a great amount of growth in terms of learning this offense, even since the start of the season, even since week one. Every day he's picking up more. I think the fact that Jacquez Rogers is here has helped him because there's now two guys in a running back room that only had four backs that are having to learn the offense. So you have somebody that's kind of a study partner, if you will. Uh, even if all you're doing is showing Jacquez what you know about the offense, I think it reinforces the things that are already there. Uh, we had wondered on yesterday's podcast uh, what the Bucks would do with that opening on the 53-man roster. Uh, they had cut Josh Kyes uh, Monday and had not announced any moves, and we had kind of wondered. We thought it would be a promotion from the practice squad, but I had kind of thought it might either be a tight end to, uh, to step up with Luke Stocker being hurt, or maybe it would be uh, a receiver. Uh, and the answer, as it turns out, is somebody I did not mention on yesterday's podcast, uh, Freddie Martino, uh, receiver from North Greenville, uh, played Division II ball in South Carolina. Uh, Freddie Martino uh, was on the roster in the preseason, um, had a real good finish to the preseason. The, literally, in the last 10 minutes of the preseason, the last game of the preseason against the Redskins, had six catches for 65 yards in the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, so kind of made a last push there. Uh, obviously, he benefited from all the injuries at the end of the preseason. We think about Dante Dye and uh, also Kenny Bell, um, Bernard Reedy. Uh, obviously, Lewis Murphy was hurt the whole preseason. But the, you had four or five receivers get hurt in a short amount of time. Evan Spencer was on the practice squad and decided to retire. Um, so he's he's very much a survivor of this receiver group. And that so many others have been hurt, have been gone for one reason or another. Uh, I had kind of thought they might promote the other receiver in the practice squad, a guy named Jeremy Butler, who we've talked about, had about 30 catches for the Ravens last year. Uh, but Freddie Martino is an interesting guy, a guy that I think has really helped himself by practicing well here in the last two weeks, has some size, has some speed, uh, and will be dressed on Sunday as the Bucks' fifth receiver. Um, that might not, if you think about what they've done with receiver that night, probably doesn't amount to more than uh, maybe five snaps on offense. Uh, maybe 10, maybe some special teams, uh, but kind of has to make the most of his opportunity. It's neat to see this because Freddie Martino has played one other game in his NFL career, uh, was with Dirk Cutter in Atlanta in 14, was active for one game, made it on the field for two plays. Uh, Falcons were down 20 to nothing to the Ravens uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, put Martino in one of the two plays. They threw a quick pass to him and went incomplete. Uh, so no catches for Freddie Martino in his NFL career, but one game and two plays and a big opportunity this weekend uh, to add to that. We like the small school kids because small school kids have insane numbers in college, okay? Uh, if you would think in your head, what would be a huge amount of catches for a college receiver to have? Just a gaudy, ridiculous, off the charts, I can't believe you caught that many passes. Um, think of that number, okay? Okay. Uh, Freddie Martino, in 2013, as a senior at North Greenville, had 146 catches uh, for 1,680 yards and 12 touchdowns. 
had at least 10 catches in every game, at least 90 yards in every game. It's wild because you can have that kind of consistency as a running back because if you're a primary runner, you're not going to get 15 carries. But for a receiver to be able to get 10 catches every game for an entire season is, is pretty impressive. Um, I thought it was neat in that uh, I'll ask you guys here before you have time to even Google it, if you can tell me the mascot of North Greenville, which is in Tigerville, South Carolina, plays to about 3,000 fans. Uh, his last home game in 13, he had 3,067 fans there. So wild to think that uh, now in this game, he's going to have probably uh, close to 20 times that much at Raymond James Stadium on Sunday for this home opener. Mascot for North Greenville is the Crusaders. I know some of you had shouted that out. I probably have somebody in South Carolina or something who knew that. Uh, but the Crusaders, the other fun claim to fame for Freddie Martino uh, is that he is the last person to catch a touchdown pass in an NFL game from Tim Tebow. Uh, they were together with the Eagles in the preseason last year. Uh, Martino had uh, two catches from Tebow, had a 45-yard catch from Tebow, and then had a nine-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter of the last game. Again, he steps up big at the end of these preseason finales. Uh, so trivia question for you guys. Uh, impress the uh, Tebow fans in your life by telling them that the Bucks just signed the receiver who caught the very last touchdown pass that Tim Tebow threw. I'm not ruling out uh, a comeback for Tim Tebow. I want to make that clear. But right now, that's on record as the last touchdown he has thrown. Uh, lots more to get to on the injury front. Um, I'm not even mentioning this yet. 13 minutes into the podcast, I haven't mentioned this yet. It's that kind of day. Uh, today, Wednesday, was the first time we saw the Bucks practicing since their game Sunday. So the first chance to kind of uh, evaluate injuries and see who's going and who's not going. The one surprise, the one new name on the list for the Bucks is left tackle Donovan Smith, uh, who kind of was just bucket hat on his head. The Bucks, I think I've mentioned this, but if you're injured with the Bucks, the uh, the headwear of choice for injured Buccaneers is the bucket hat. It's just this nice white floppy hat they wear on their heads instead of a helmet. Uh, they they all do it. So it's what they wear. They wear the fluffy uh, bucket hat. So Donovan Smith watching from the sidelines. I did not get to see, and I'm disappointed by this, we only see the first half hour of practice. So I never got to see the offensive line line up as a unit, as a group of five. What they do sometimes, uh, they have a main practice field where we can see from one end what's going on. And then the offensive line likes to kind of go behind a wall and hide back there in practice where I can't see them. Uh, so there's a couple different ways. Again, if we don't know, this could be very, very uh, precautionary with Donovan Smith. He could be back out full go tomorrow. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, he had played every snap in Sunday's game. He's played every snap in all 18 games that he's played. Uh, but anyway, if he can't go for some reason on Sunday, how do the Bucks shift their offensive line to adjust for the absence of Donovan Smith? The first option uh, would be to add Evan Smith as your left guard and slide Kevin Panful over from left guard to left tackle. That would be possible. Uh, the other option would be to take Gosder Sherless, who is your backup right tackle, but easily the most experienced guy in the offensive line, and make him your left tackle. Uh, and then the other option, which seems like the less likely option, on the depth chart, the actual backup left tackle for the Bucks right now is an undrafted rookie named Leonard Wester. We've talked about him a couple times in this podcast. I don't think they would do that just as I don't know that you want to throw somebody in for their first NFL action uh, as a starting left tackle against the Rams defensive line. I think Robert Quinn would welcome that opportunity uh, on Sunday if that were the case. So curious to see what they do. It could very well be that uh, this is a one-day story and tomorrow Donovan Smith is back. 
and the uh, the fire's been put out and everything's fine for the Bucks offensive line. The other four that we mentioned in terms of guys being injured in Sunday's game, uh, that being Doug Martin with the hamstring, uh, Robert Ayers, the defensive end with the ankle, Luke Stocker, the tight end with the ankle, and then Cecil Shorts, uh, the receiver with the hamstring. Those four were not even at practice. Uh, a lot of times you'll see guys hanging out and watching, uh, kind of hovering around their position grills just to make sure they're hearing things and getting the mental reps. Uh, those four guys were not there at all during the half hour we were allowed to watch. So curious to see when those guys come back. Uh, I think we know Cecil Shorts is probably out because they called up Freddie Martino. We know that. Uh, still could see other moves as the week goes on. If they decide that uh, Luke Stocker isn't going to go this weekend and they want to upgrade their options for a blocking back, uh, talk to Cameron Bright today. Uh, he kind of had to fill in on the fly as a blocking back on Sunday. Uh, he's very grateful to have a full week of practice now to kind of learn and go over all the blocking aspects of what Luke Stocker did for them when he was there. Um, they could get by without having to promote those practice squad tight ends and just stick with more reps for Cameron Bray as a blocker to handle things there. Uh, so anyway, that was your injury report. Uh, the same guys kind of being listed as full participation but injured, uh, and that's Ryan Smith with his hand. That is uh, Levante David with his shoulder. That's Devante Bond with his hamstring. All those familiar names there. I don't think any of those are anything to worry about for Sunday, though. Uh, did get to talk to a couple rookies today. Uh, you know, there's about three rookies that will be potentially making their either their debuts or their first big role. Uh, with Ayers likely out, it seems very likely now that Channing Ward, the undrafted rookie from Ole Miss, will be able to dress for the first time on Sunday. He's been inactive in each of the first two games. Uh, they brought up Devontae Lambert to the dressed active 46 this past Sunday. Uh, Devontae Lambert played a lot, played more snaps than Noah Spence, didn't actually get any tackles. Uh, but anyway, just as Lambert went up, Channing Ward should be the next one up, should give them some depth. Curious to see uh, what, if anything, they can do against uh, Todd Gurley and see how things go there. Uh, Devontae Bond, as we mentioned, um, I don't think they would have cut Josh Kaiser on Monday unless they were confident that Devontae Bond's hamstring is now okay. He can dress for the first time. Talked to him today. He made a good point in that it's been hard for him. He's missed the last four weeks with his hamstring, uh, missed the last two preseason games, missed the first two games of the regular season. Uh, but it has given him a month just to work on learning this offense, just to take mental reps, make sure he understands uh, what it is to be a Sam linebacker in this defense. Uh, the other the other guy to mention would be Peyton Barber. I think he could have a larger role. Uh, is still probably likely limited to special teams right now. The last thing I want to talk about in the podcast before we go here uh, is Aaron Donald, uh, the Pro Bowl defensive tackle for the Rams. Uh, a huge challenge for the Bucks' offensive line on Sunday. Uh, got to talk to Ali Marpet, talk to Evan Smith. I'm sorry, talk to uh, Joe Hawley, uh, talk to Kevin Pample. Those are the three interior linemen that are tasked with trying to contain Aaron Donald, uh, who's just a very talented young uh, I remember being at the Senior Bowl in Mobile two years ago, and Aaron Donald was just the hot name. Every year there's somebody that just pops up, and before they go to Mobile, maybe isn't even a first-rounder. And then by the time they're done there, they've been so impressive. It's like, wow, how high could he go? Uh, and obviously the Rams did well to take him. I forget where he went, like 11, 15, right in there, middle of the top half of the first round in 14. Uh, but it's just been a stud, a guy that could very well be NFL Defensive Player of the Year. 
uh, MVP type, just a disruptive, athletic, versatile defensive lineman. Uh, Ali Marpet was saying it. It doesn't necessarily take something superhuman to stop him and slow him down, but you just have to be really on with your technique. You have to be very focused. If you do something wrong, he has the wide variety of skills where no matter what you do wrong, he can exploit it and get to your quarterback. So they've got to figure out a way not to let him disrupt their offense, not to let him get to Jameis Winston. Uh, and that's a good challenge. I think the offensive line likes this. Uh, having a top-tier defensive line and an elite pass rusher, even on the inside, uh, like Aaron Donald, will be a big task for them. We'll, we'll probably write that for Friday's times. Uh, you might see that online Thursday afternoon. Uh, so I'm going to wrap things up here. We're just past 20 minutes. Uh, we'll do more with the mailbag tomorrow. I want to hear, uh, let's put it out there just as the podcast mailbag question of the day for Friday's podcast, since this will be our last preview podcast of the week. Uh, I want to ask you two questions. Uh, one, which Bucks player will get the first touchdown in Sunday's game against the Rams? And then the bigger question is whether or not the Rams will get their first touchdown of the season on Sunday. It would speak very well of the Bucks and their defense if that's not the case. Uh, Rams got shut out in week one in a 28-0 loss to the 49ers. Uh, looked much better this past week in a 9-3 win over the Seahawks. Uh, only three field goals, not much offense to show. They're averaging four and a half points a game. Uh, but we'll probably be in a position to score more than that at Raymond James on Sunday. We will wrap things up, guys. Thanks very much for listening. Kind of a newsy day. Uh, but glad you could uh, listen in and catch up on things there. We'll have lots more Friday, uh, things to watch in the game, things to look forward to, maybe talk a little bit more about the video boards at Raymond James Stadium. But to wrap things up, episode 39 in the books. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have questions for the podcast, please don't hesitate. Shoot me an email at LockedOnBucks at gmail.com. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, uh, at Greg Allman as well. Uh, thank you guys for listening all the way to the end here. Really appreciate the audience we've built up here uh, for the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. This is Greg Allman. Thanks again for listening, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. By singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.